the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Open lines Friday for you. Anything on your mind? 602-508-0960. Let me qualify. Anything on your mind, but I don't give uh, medical, legal, or uh, accounting advice. Other than that, let her rip. I uh, got several emails after my interview with Tevi Troy on his piece about woke medicine. Woke MD, Woke Medicine, in Commentary Magazine this month, which uh, or November's Commentary Magazine, which is dedicated to the whole issue of wokeness. Several emails came in saying, Seth, you've talked about wokeness before. Could you describe it again? We have a general sense. I'm summarizing a few different emails. General sense of what it is. Sure, I, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, it. I've done something like this before. It's the neologism of the moment. Woke is neologism. New word. You've heard the term, and if you haven't heard the term, then, gosh, you haven't been listening to race-conscious human resource officers, social justice activists, or really anyone under the age of 50. It's the new term we have for raising consciousness. That was the phrase for it in the 1980s. You need to have your consciousness raised. Merriam-Webster defines woke thus, quote, Aware of and actively attentive to important facts and issues, especially of racial and social justice, close quote. If there's a poster boy or poster girl for being woke, they would be Ilan Omar, AOC, Ayanna Presley, Cori Bush, Ibrahim Kendi, perhaps Robin DeAngelo, and certainly the founders of BLM. Note, by the way, all Marxist. Note that. And it includes those that identify with them, even the older generations that identify with them, kind of like Leonard Bernstein was with the Black Panthers in 1970. You know that story from Tom Wolfe's write-up of it. When Don Cox, lieutenant in the Black Panther movement, told Leonard Bernstein at the fundraiser at his house, quote, if the white businessman will not give full employment, then the means of production should be taken from the businessman and placed in the community with the people. Bernstein said, I dig it, but how? Well, here's how. You're seeing it before you in everything we talk about here and really everything you see on the news, whether they tell you it's going on or not. You see it in the 1619 Project. You see it in the riots of last year. You see it in the statue defenestrations. You see it in the cancel culture. You see it in critical race theory. You see it daily on CBS, CNN, and the New York Times. The difference between the woke of the Leonard Bernstein and Black Panther ilk of 1970 and today is that then the leaders of the Democratic Party did not join the cause. Not your Ted Kennedys, not your George McGoverns, not your Hubert Humphreys. The Democrats were not part of that whole woke movement back then. But then again, today's Democratic Party is not the same as Hubert Humphreys or George McGovern's. But anyway, back to the word and term of art these days. Woke, it actually first made its appearance, surprise, surprise, in the New York Times. It was 
1962 op-ed written by one William Melvin Kelly, and the title was No Mickey Mouse Can Be Expected to Follow Today's Negro Idiom Without a Hip Assist. If you're woke, you dig it. Now, I apologize if that N-word comes off a little caustically. I'm just going with how the New York Times titled this in 1962. Kelly was writing about an ad in the New York City subway that he saw using the word dig. And he wrote of how the new beatnik and black vernacular was taking hold in society from dig to words like dig or cat or chick. Funny how out of date those words seem just now, kind of, don't they? The otter thing is what Kelly wrote in 1962 about his culture, that of what he called the American. Again, sorry if this rubs the wrong way, but being true to his language, that of what he called the American Negro. He said, despite some of those words, the black man, quote, wants to be completely accepted in American life. He dreams of living in a good neighborhood, driving a nice car, sending his children to a good school, making a decent living. He continued, quote, he realizes that anything which sets him apart will keep him apart. Close quote. Of course, that, in fact, was the main goal of civil rights in the 1950s and 60s, integration, mainstreaming, mainstreaming into all of American life. Somewhere, somehow, that became no longer the goal, but the enemy of social justice, right? Integration was transmogrified into re-segregation and self-segregation. Judgments by race, then deemed odious, have now become standard at least to what we now have mainstreamed as woke, consciousness raised. I see it differently and wholly differently. I see it not as an advancement, a past tense of wake or an awakening, but of a retrograde, a throwback, which may show you why we in America are speaking two different languages, if I may, with our woke fellow Americans. I still labor for getting every American, regardless of race, but emphatically those in minority races, good neighborhoods, nice cars, good schools, good jobs, to use the list that William Melvin Kelly used, the inventor of the phrase woke, the word woke. Thank the movement of black power, blame the academy, blame the race-based preference affirmative action establishment, and blame a redefinition of and a rewriting of nearly all American history to get you the new narrative. As Winston says in the novel 1984, this was an exceptional case. It wasn't just a question of somebody being killed. Do you realize that the past, starting from yesterday, has actually been abolished? If it survives anywhere, it's in a few solid objects with no words attached to them, like that lump of glass there. Already we know almost literally nothing about the revolution and the years before the revolution. Every record has been destroyed or falsified. Every book has been rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street and building has been renamed. Every date has been altered. And the process continues day by day and minute by minute with history having stopped and nothing yet left to exist except an endless present in which the party is always right, close quote. Well, I give you today's woke. They know almost nothing about our American revolution or history, and they are dead set on destroying and falsifying records, books, statues, and street names. Oh, and the painting and repainting. Remember all the uh, artwork on the city streets 
BLM, uh, all the BLM artwork. Recall when a painting of BLMs on the streets of Manhattan was defaced by someone or someone's. The mayor, Bill de, de Blasio, moved something like six city workers and himself to the site, calling the media so that they could be seen to paint it with the BLM art again. This was at a time when the big news also in uh, New York City was the shooting death of a young child, young minority child. But BLM art was the important work in New York City, the Marxist artwork and its integrity, not the lives of the innocent. But that should all be of no surprise. Life is the last thing. Certainly, better life is the last thing Marxists care about. They care about the rituals of oath that show the party always being right. And for those of us who thought the Enlightenment, the realization of man's God-given rights of equality and liberty, that today's woke is, of course, in the Orwellian double-think of our time, the main thing to be destroyed. How did Orwell put it in 1984 again? Quote, to tell deliberate lies while genuinely believing in them, to forget any fact that has become inconvenient, and then when it becomes necessary again, to draw it back from oblivion for just as long as it is needed, to deny the existence of objective reality and all the while to take account of the reality which one denies. All this is indispensably necessary. That's George Orwell. Close quote. Now you know what woke is. And it's all one sad, debilitating, hurtful, and hurting lie. Especially to those who could most use the consciousness of the enlightenment we used to esteem, as even esteemed by the originator of the term woke itself. It's from the children of darkness, not the children of light, as Reinhold Niebuhr put it in his classic study and book. He put it this way, quote, Our democratic civilization has been built not by the children of darkness, but by the children of light. It has been under attack by the children of darkness, by the moral cynics, the children of darkness are evil because they know no law beyond the self. They are wise, though evil, because they understand the power of self-interest. Close quote. Let me repeat. They are wise, though evil. And by contrast, Niebuhr writes this, quote, The children of light are virtuous because they have some conception of a higher law than their own will. And then he writes, They, the children of light, underestimate the peril of anarchy in both the national and the international community. Now think about this. The children of darkness, the unenlightened, if you will, are about two things, the power of will and anarchy based on moral cynicism. The children of light, the enlightened, the truly woke, who love self-evident truths and think them a singular gift from what we call the enlightenment. What is their foible? What is their weakness? Underestimating the danger of the t children of darkness and the danger of anarchy. anarchy. Don't underestimate what has been done to children. Think seriously about it. Remember the quote from Hannah Arendt I brought out earlier in the week. Progressive education, quote, progressive education, which by abolishing the authority of adults implicitly denies their responsibility for the world into which they have born their children and refuses the duty of guiding them into it. Have we now come to the point where it is the children who are being asked to change or improve the world, she asks? And do we intend to have our politi political battles fought out in our schoolyards?
she asks. Yes, yes. Over five times the number of people doubly vaccinated have died from or with COVID than all children since January of 2020. But by all means, force the vaccine on children. That would, in a normal time, be a conclusion based on the opposite of reason, rationality, science, and political science. But I give you our woke age, also the opposite of enlightened Because somehow a large portion of our population has read Orwell's 1984 and they read it as a how-to manual and not what, again, most of us read it as of up until yesterday, a flashing red light. I'm Seth Liebson, 602508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. This open line Friday, 602-508-0960. Jason's in Phoenix. Hello, Jason. Hey, can you hear me? Uh, sort of. Oh, okay. Hold on. Let me take you off speaker. Yeah, please. Was that Bob Newhart I heard in your You outro? heard the Bob Newhart theme, uh, also known as Home to Emily, I believe. <laughs> That's priceless. Did you ever watch Taxi, uh, Jason? Did you ever watch the show Taxi? I loved it. That was one of my dad's favorites. I could probably tell you every episode. All right, here's a test. Do you remember Jim Ignatowski writing lyrics to the theme song for the Bob Newhart show yes. because he met yes, the actress yes. who played Carol? Yes, yeah. Yes. Yes, Gene something yes, or other, Marsha. Marsha Wallace, maybe, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I'm impressed with your pop, your pop trivia. So. Uh, it's about all I'm impressive with these days, Jason. I can do pop <laughs> trivia. I'm not good for much else. Oh, well, I wouldn't say that. I and would. I'm also a big Rush fan. Grew up with it. You're always listening to Rush. I know you love Rush. Well, my producer, Bill, loves Rush. I'm okay with them. I'm okay with them. But my producer, Bill, loves Rush. They are the standard for which everything we do in our bumper music is measured against. So how far oh, from right, Rush right, right. is the distance right. between what Bill, my producer, likes and not? Yeah. Um, well, actually, I called because I, I talked to you uh, almost 30 days ago, referenced the prime minister of India meeting with Joe Biden. Uh-huh. Um, I brought to your attention that they were at that point 14 percent vaccinated in India and were having a lot of success using ivermectin. Uh-huh. And I was just going to wonder what happened if we were going to see something change in India, whether they, you know, kind of joined in on this. Uh, pushing the vaccine and putting the brakes on hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and kind of observe what happens. And it's been 30 days. I haven't really seen much change. I don't know if you've got any. No, I haven't seen much. I, I think I saw a story that the national government of India was trying to discourage some of that. But I've also heard about provinces that are using it. Talking with a friend of mine the other day, a physician about ivermectin, uh, just the politics around it and how weird it's become where we're in a society where people applaud and uh, and boo different drugs. They applaud and, 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 uh, and then, of course, criticize other drugs in public. You, you've heard right. people talk about ivermectin and get booed or applaud. It's, a, it's new. We've never done this before. Talk about the politic, politicization of medicine. But what a friend of mine did point out was um, – there are studies. I mean, the notion that this hasn't been studied is nonsensical. 
There are studies on ivermectin, and, you know, anyone can go around and critique any of the studies they want. But to say it hasn't been studied, there's one journal, American Journal of Therapeutics, came out about two months ago with a study on uh, using uh, ivermectin for the treatment of COVID. Um, And this is about as close as I can get to speaking medicalese, okay? I'm, I'm really not very good at it. But here's the conclusion of this peer-reviewed study um, that is published, uh, in fact, under the uh, under the uh, aegis of the National uh, Institutes of Health. Okay, here's the conclusion: okay. meta-analyses based on 18 randomized controlled treatment trials of ivermectin in COVID-19 have found large, statistically significant reductions in mortality, time to clinical recovery, and time to viral clearance. Now, again, having never spent a minute in medical school, but having spent a long time with the English language, that's telling me that there is evidence, and more than a little, that this might be a good idea for some people at some stages. And the idea, the idea that we boo people for taking it or condemn them for taking it or tell them they're taking horse medicine is a lie. It's a lie. It's no more of a horse medicine than a carrot is rabbit food. I agree with that. And I was wondering if you might be able to help me out with something because I tried to do some research on my own. And I don't know if I did it right, but what I found interesting was um, that the Merck company is um, on the the brink of coming out with a new pill that they're going to try and approve. And the way that that pill works sounds similar to ivermectin like with a five-day regimen or something? If I'm wrong, please correct me. No, I don't think you're but, wrong. Um, I've heard and seen various things come across my screen. I haven't done a deep dive into it, if only because I just, I don't know, It's I, my eyes tend to glaze over this stuff. But I, I think what they were saying about the recent Merck development was that that was based on the use of ivermectin. But I'm not, I, you know, as much as medicine and pharmaceuticals uh, are the expertise of others is the distance between they are they uh, they are the, the expertise of my own. I just don't know. I don't know the use of it, but I do know that people who wholeheartedly and with a wholesale full sweep of the hand dismiss what is clearly something that helps people. I think they're going to have blood on their hands. Back to the Seth Liebson show. I want to give out the number one more time, 602-508-0960. Where am I going to next? Patrick in Glendale. Hello, Patrick. Hello, Seth. This is actually Dr. Fauci, and I wanted to remind you that it's also used for people that ivermectin stuff. It's uh, Yeah, it's used for horses, but... It's also for people, I'm just saying. Are you recommending its use for horses? Well, yes. Yes, I'm going to be Dr. Fauci and do that. No. Veterinary I'm, MD, I'm, Fauci MD. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, no, what is the DDM, whatever it is. Yeah, DD. But I wanted to, you said there's as much for horses as it is for as carrots are or whatever. And no, that's not true. It is used for horses. But it's also used for people and proven to be so. Yes. It's yes. a dewormer, but it's also a... It's an, an anti-parasitic, antiviral. yes. Yeah, yes, parasitic, yes. yeah. 
and 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 it works slicker than snot on a wet doorknob. But don't let people forget aspirin. They figured this out. Aspirin, the baby aspirin is like forty something percent, and people are skipping that. Forty forty percent aspirin. Yeah, forty something. I'm missing a sentence. Uh, I'm sorry, forty like forty eight percent effective. Uh, for keeping people from dying and and whatnot. Yeah, I heard that too. I heard that from a physician on Dennis Prager's show. I think I heard him say something closer to 50. But, you know, with all of this stuff, you'll forgive me if I just say this, with all of this stuff that gets thrown around, you know, again, it depends on who and when. Who well, we and when? Know that and so you know, just do it with blood. do it with your doctor. Don't do it. The, the, True story. There, there was story. a doctor Leapson in this town. I'm not him. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's. Still love you though. Thank you very much. I love you too, Patrick. I love you too. Rick is in Phoenix. Hi, Rick. Hello there, my friend. Thank you for taking my uh, call here, <laughs> Seth. I want you to know that you are a blessing, and I pray that. Your influence will increase and increase and increase that more and more and more people will hear you because you uh, are a great benefit in the information and the expertise that you share. Well, you're going to make my head explode, but thank you, Rick. I'll just say thank you, and I think the same of you. Thank you very well, much. I appreciate that, but hardly hardly close. I, but, I, uh, I, I, I can't deny if you can't deny Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> Mutual corruption here. Let's... Yeah, there you go. Okay. Hey, uh, I have got two quick things here. Uh, one, since uh, since you've been talking about uh, the ivermectin and whatnot, are you familiar with this uh, new book? I heard the ad on your station there uh, by Dr. Stella Emanuel. Yeah, I don't have the book. Black I heard America the ad, Live. too. Yeah, I, I I heard the ad, too, but I haven't read it yet. Okay, you're not familiar with it, then? Uh, I'm familiar with her. That. I'm familiar with her. I'm not oh, familiar okay. with the book. Okay, okay. I, uh, that's first I had heard of her. You've seen her. You've seen her. Um, she, if I'm not mistaken, if we're talking about the same person, is the uh, African-American physician who spoke at the Frontline Rally in oh, Washington, D.C. In, in D.C., okay. If I'm not mistaken, that's who that is. Ah, okay. Yeah, okay. I'm willing well, to be corrected, really, but I think that's her. Yeah. yeah, sounds really interesting. Well, the, the, the main thing that I called about is the absolute seriousness that this uh, woke business, uh, this culture war and all that's going on, uh, there was a woman that uh, Seb uh, Gorka interviewed on his show today uh, who is a mother uh, who has been going to the school board meetings, and apparently uh, she has come under severe threat. There are severe threats that have been made against her and her family, her husband and her children, and they are putting out information that is just bad, bad news. And she was saying that they uh, were uh, had a rally for the, before the school board meeting um, just a, a day or two ago, and apparently there were federal agents who showed up there. Uh, she said there was a helicopter. Don't know if it was, you know, a... a government helicopter or whatnot, 
but a very intimidating sort of thing. And they've been having about 100 people, she said, show up for these rallies. They had like 25 uh, for this one. And so well, Hold the said, thought. There's a lot in here, Rick, I'd, I'd like to unwind with you. And, yeah. and I'm glad you're bringing it to our attention. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll carry you over and invite others as well. 602-508-0960. It's almost uh, nauseating to have to say, can you imagine if... And then we're down to another presidency. But I want to talk to you about what it would mean for a government to call Americans domestic terrorists. We'll be right back. Oh, we got to do we got to do Gene Simmons, don't we? Speaking of. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Lines Friday, 602-508-0960. Rick, we were talking with you about uh, a woman who was uh, at a school board meeting and uh, telling uh, uh, Dr. Gorka her experience and about the intimidation and law uh, she felt from the law enforcement uh, federal looked if I understand the uh, the story right federal law enforcement agents Uh, apparently yeah apparently Uh, at that that meeting circulating about a week ago on the internet and uh, particularly on Twitter was a school board member, an elected school board member. I don't remember where. I want to say Nashville or somewhere in Tennessee, talking about all the threats she's gotten from supposedly the right or conservatives. And she was in tears, and it made a lot of a lot of action on 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 the on social media. She got a lot of attention. Yeah, and course the attention was this is why you know they're considered domestic terrorists blah 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 and look it's possible it's possible it's it's possible this happened to that woman or that was her experience i i would certainly hope not but it's possible and if so i would hope people would uh, not not do that and if they broke the law to be you know uh, arrested (laughs) it's not our party that's excusing illegal behavior okay let's just make that clear or redefining it out of the uh out of the realm of the illegal uh by just uh by just uh discounting the price it costs to create a misdemeanor uh misdemeanor theft but but my first reaction was, yes, we would be sad naturally for this woman or sympathetic to her, but it's not sympathy we feel, actually. It's more like unrequited empathy, because for 10 years we've been telling women just like that, liberals and leftists just like that, what it's like when we conservatives go to college campuses. Right, right. And, and how even with full packages, full entourages of security. Even with that, we end up in the hospital, as right. Charles Murray's uh, host did over at Middlebury College. I right. remember early on after 9-11, Bill Bennett, and I, um, Bill Bennett and I started a project with some really great people called Americans for Victory Over Terrorism. And we desired, we, what we thought was we would go to the college campuses across the country, as many as that we could, as many that would have us, and do old-style, quote-unquote, teach-ins, talking about the necessity to fight the war uh, against um, Islamic radicals that had been declared against us, because we didn't think they were getting it on their college campuses. I think we were right, and it was a hell of a team we had. It was, um, there were, at various times, different players, 
but it was started in the offices. We we met in the offices of, get this, Charles Krauthammer. So it was Charles Krauthammer, and he would do it with us if it was local in the D.C. area because he had trouble traveling. Uh-huh. Um, it was Charles Krauthammer. It was Jim Wolsey, former uh, CIA director, Jim Wolsey. Yeah. Uh, and who else am I thinking of? A bunch of others. Frank Gaffney was part of it at one point. Anyway, so we would go to college campuses and give speeches on the threat of of terrorism, of radical Islam and terrorism. And I remember the one that was, this would have been 2002 or three, 2003, I think. The one that had the most activity was not Harvard, not UCLA, Columbia University in New York. And uh. I couldn't count how many cops had to be there to protect us, we, wow. for going to Columbia University. So much so. So much so, it was being covered by all these cameras and reporters. They couldn't get in. They just had to have one camera in there that was pulled to the other networks. I think wow. it might have been C-SPAN's camera. And what year was this? This set? would have been 0203. Yeah. 0203. Wow. So this has been going on a long A long time. And then, I mean, it was around that same time you had the stories of um, – People like uh, Ann Coulter and Bill Crystal. back when he was a conservative, he'd probably be welcomed on college campuses now. But in those days, yeah. Bill Crystal and Ann Coulter were getting things thrown at them. Uh, whenever someone like a Charlie Kirk or a Ben Shapiro or any real, real conservative spokesman goes to campus, the problem always is now done in the name of the, – but the problem is always the issue of security. And yeah. it's not a problem for the hosts. The hosts want to have the event. What the school says is due to security concerns – we may have to move it, we may have to change it, or the speaker may have to hire his or her own security. That's a right. resignation. Yeah. That's a resignation. Yeah. Now, I am nowhere close to or and have no tolerance for any of people who claim to be any of the people who claim to be on our side that would do that to liberals or leftists even including right, school board right. members I, I i think you probably share that with me but yeah, i will absolutely. tell you their tears now kind of like nancy's about january 6th and cops yeah we don't well, need that lecture we have right. been trying to lecture you about this problem and since you didn't care and you sh- turned a cold shoulder and deaf ear and blind eye to it, I don't know what you want from me. I really don't know what you want from me. Well, one of the things that disturbs me, Seth, is that there seems to be so much more attention given to those on the left who are quote-unquote attacked, and those of us on the right uh, who are attacked and in many instances receive much more severe threats and treatment there's hardly a blip yeah it's a fair point when donald trump was you know verbally rhetorically talking about fake news and cnn went into you know crybaby mode about declaring a war against the media and putting journalists lives at risk Do do we know a journalist whose life was put at risk by donald trump but i will tell you this Keep in mind, what do you think CNN would have said if Donald Trump took a letter from a pressure organization or Bill Barr did that called the American people exercising their First Amendment rights domestic terrorists? Right, right. It, it would have. Yeah, exactly. Like Garland, 
Garland has done. Yeah, well, I mean, think about it. Think about yeah. it. And the notion that we would use something designed for actual terrorism in the Patriot Act against American citizens who, yeah. I don't know, ha- you know, I don't know how many, uh, what percentage, but who have who have never ever shown any inclinations towards violence, subversion, or subversive activity whatsoever, and just want to show up and talk about critical race theory curricula at their schools? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is part and parcel of my big thesis of what the left does. They know, they know free speech is a protected and sacrosanct thing. So to use the law against conservatives, they redefine what is speech and they redefine what is violence. They've redefined what is patriotism. They take the violent, like the protests last year would be but one example. They take the violent, the riots of last year, they take that and call it speech. They take that and call it speech, but they take showing up at a school board meeting and speaking your mind violence. It's a really odd thing they've done here. I hope we're awake to it. I hope we're awake to it. That's but one example. I can give you many, many more. Donald Trump telling people to march peacefully is incitement. Make Orwell fiction again, I say. Oh, here, here's a reverse Monda Green song. Yeah. I don't know if we'll get it in this lyric, but it's all meta. Colitas in the Hotel California. That would be a reverse Mondegreen. The warm smell of Colitas. I think that's the lyric. Hey, Bill, if I were to ask you um, off memory, and we didn't obviously rehearse this, uh, what was the administration saying uh, like a month ago? How many Americans they thought were left in Afghanistan? Do you remember what the number is they were giving out after everything had been Wonderfully done and completed. Uh, you have a number in your head. Do you remember what they said? Well, they, they were saying 100 or so. They were saying 100 or so. Guess what they said yesterday in the dark of night in a report to Congress? It's closer to 300. This again, let's start writing these down, Bill. I'm going to make a list. I'm going to do it with Andy Biggs as an op-ed maybe or something. He doesn't know it yet. Someone tell him. We're going to do an op-ed of the um, – of. 20 things that have happened this year. It used to be 10. I'm making it 20. 20 things that have happened this year that in any other normal time or normal country would have been the story of the year. But we just kind of blow through them. We just kind of blow through them because of what George Orwell was saying. He's just the professor of, of, of the age. Nothing exi- exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. Nothing exists except an endless present. There's no history. There's no week ago. There's no two weeks ago. There's no three weeks ago. There's the endless present brought to you by the crisis industrial complex. That should have been a massive story. I mean, there were like three things yesterday that should have been the story of the year. That, Garland's testimony, um, but also, how about this thing about the NIH admitting that, yes, gain-of-function fun- research was being done with the money provided by the National Institutes of Health? There's like three stories in that one. The first story, 
is that it was done, as alleged by Rand Paul and others early on. That's a story. Should have been the story of the year. Two, Anthony Fauci denying it. Three, the media now catching on and saying it looks like it's more likely the case than not. Four, the NIH saying Anthony Fauci was wrong and they did fund. They're right there. So there's four stories out of that one thing that should have been each and every one of them the story of the year or would have been. I, I Listen, if you don't want story of the year, I, I'd take a month. I'd take a month on that. But it's just here and gone. I'll have to think of a phrase for it. I don't know. We're pretty surfeited with neologisms these days. I don't think we need a new one. I'm Seth Liebson, 602 The great John Gabriel coming right up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.